Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Hahn, Andy Hahn, coming to you again from my living room in Waltham, Massachusetts. And this is the fifth episode of Guided Self-Healing, Fearless Living. And today's date, for those of you who are listening on a podcast, is right now it is March 26th. In uh, 2021. And this episode is called Finding the Answers to Our Questions Four Levels of Wisdom and Muscle Testing. And again, if you want to reach us, <clears throat> the way to do that is you can go to our website, which is lifecenteredtherapy.com. And if you want to write to me, which I'm deeply appreciative of, um, my email address is a h a h n, like. Andy Hahn, a Hahn, at lifecenteredtherapy.com. And of course, if you make any comments, I will read them all and I will respond to every question and every comment because that you guys are the ones who make this work, obviously. So <clears throat> again, so this is the fifth episode and it's again called Finding the Answers to Our Questions four levels of wisdom and muscle testing. So let's see what we're gonna be talking about today. We had been talking about last time about the big picture. And I told you how we're gonna use the big picture a little bit, I had suggested to find our deepest truths. Now, in the context of healing, why do we have to do this? Well, <clears throat> there are three things we need to know when we're doing healing. And for most of us, we don't know any of them. The first thing we need to know is what is our true intention? The second thing we need to know is where did it originate or what was the root cause or where did it crystallize? And the third thing we need to know is whoever it is that's traumatized in our story, do they need anything more than just being able to share their story so we step into them like we're an actor and we have fully enroll in them while we are being there, holding them and witnessing them, do they need anything more than just sharing their story while we hold them with love and uh, acceptance? And uh, what we'll find is, of course, we don't know the answers to any of those questions. Um, because if we did, of course, we would know the answers and then we wouldn't be coming for healing. <clears throat> so let's look at each of these quickly and see why it's important to know. And we had used before an example of a man in my office, which we made up, and a motorcycle backfired and he had a panic attack. And in the first example we gave, it was pretty direct. We discovered that 10 years earlier, he was a soldier in a war, perhaps Afghanistan, and a bomb went off near him. And he couldn't take that in stride. And so he is now being stuck being that soldier from you know 10 years ago he's really that soldier is living and he's living that soldier's life still and so when the motorcycle backfires he is still in that war until we help him remember that soldier by choosing to become the soldier by becoming the sensation sort of like enrolling as an actor and then whatever happens next it will be that soldier story. But let's take a different example and show you why it is that it's so important to know what the true intention is. But let's take the same symptom. 
So again, the motorcycle backfires and he has a panic attack. But this time, the problem isn't that 10 years ago he was a soldier. Let's say this time the problem was in World War I, let's make it fun and say it was another lifetime, but it could of course have been in this lifetime, but let's say it was in World War I and instead of being a soldier, he was a leader of soldiers. And the problem this time is that he's not really paying enough attention as he's leading his soldiers. And because he's not paying enough attention to what's going on in the woods, he walks them into an ambush and he watches as bombs go off and he watches his soldiers die. So we now know that his reactions to loud sounds, which are the bombs, is not the real problem. The real problem is he believed he betrayed a trust. And if I could find out very quickly that the real problem is he betrayed, which will have a different sensation than just the sensation associated with the loud sounds. If we could find that out and have him become the sensation of that leader of soldiers, who is the one who's experiencing I betrayed, we might drop him in and he might say, oh my goodness, I now know what's happening. I walked them into this ambush because I wasn't paying enough attention in the woods. I was like, my attention was wandering around. And as a result, all these men died. Now, why do I say that the sound is a symptom and not the real problem? Because if we look at it, that man may have many problems and he may have no idea they have anything to do with each other. So let's suppose <clears throat> he comes in and he says, well, I have reactions to loud sounds, but I also have really horrendous obsessive compulsive disorder. And I am, you know, always thinking, you know, this crazy thought, which of course is not a crazy thought that if I do anything wrong, if I don't get things perfectly, if I'm not paying absolutely the best attention, something horrific will happen. So I have to be watching every second, right? And he may come in with profound feelings of over-responsibility. He may also literally or figuratively shoot himself in the foot every time an opportunity for leadership comes up. And now if in that story, parenthetically, he literally shot himself in the foot because he felt so guilty or ashamed, he would come into this lifetime and he'd have chronic foot pain. And he'd say, I think I have chronic foot pain because one day somebody stepped on my foot really hard. And like, I've had chronic foot pain ever since, but we would know that that may have nothing to do with why he has his chronic foot pain. And in fact, he may have gone to many foot specialists and none of them could find a reason even though he had this terrible thing happen to him. But really that would be a reenactment both of shooting himself in the foot, right? And it'd be a way to assuage his guilt all of which of course would be unconscious. So he would come in with this chronic foot pain, which we would then discover really what that foot pain was. And let's suppose he has strange, strange, really uncomfortable feelings when he walks in the woods. Okay, so we would know if the, the only reason for those symptoms, right? His reactions to loud sounds, his obsessive compulsive disorder, his sense of over-responsibility, his sense of sabotaging himself whenever he gets to be a leader, his chronic foot pain and his weird reaction and walks into the woods, which makes no sense, really are all enfolded into one story that's called I Betrayed. 
So theoretically, if we could find that, the umbrella story, and the only reasons for those symptoms was that one story, which sometimes happens, that looks like miracles. That is a one-hour miracle because theoretically, if he could transform that story, all of those symptoms may just disappear. I have seen things like that happen more than once. It's really quite extraordinary, right? And it still is like um, a marvel to me, you know, that uh, you could discover that that one story, if we could find out its betrayal from another lifetime in World War I and transform it, all those things could just go away because they would have served their purpose to help you remember what couldn't be handled. All right, now, of course, it becomes very important to know that story happened in this case in World War I, because if we went back to just Afghanistan, we wouldn't get a good result. Even if we went back to like when he was in this lifetime, perhaps, and he tried to be a leader someday, you know, he was like a leader of a sports team and he somehow got himself into big trouble and uh, um, sabotaged his leadership. That may just be a reenactment, a reliving of an echo of the thing that happened in 1918. So we could work in this lifetime for a long time and we'd say, you know, I've done some really good healing work, but something is missing. And of course something would be missing because what happened in this lifetime would just be an echo of something that happened in that other lifetime, however we want to, we'll talk about other lifetimes about three or four episodes from now, but it would just be a reenactment. And what's really fascinating is a lot of the reasons that people come for therapy, even if they've done very good somatic and mindfulness therapy is that never occurred to them that, you know, their story was something from their, you know, from their family history, at which point it would be in their bloodline or from their karmic history because soul comes through blood and it also comes through energy. So they may never have gotten the result because they didn't go and find where it truly crystallized in their field, in the soul field, so to speak, okay? And then if we know that the problem is betrayal, it may be that instead of doing something like emotional freedom technique, which we might do, for example, for the man who was just in the war or EMDR or frontal occipital holding or a whole variety of other things that we might do, none of those would really work in this other case because it wouldn't be the problem. The problem would be that he would have to find the souls of those men and find a way to make amends and then find a way to let go of his regret and start living with remorse and saying, I'm gonna learn from my experience. So he may have to find those men's souls and just listen to what it was like for them and find out ultimately how it served. And he may find out all kinds of things like that they weren't paying enough attention to and that they were too dependent on their leaders or something. So um, it may have on the soul level served everybody in the situation, but of course we never know that. And you always have to deal with the personal level first. You can't do it because if you just go to the soul level, it's a bypass. If you say how it served, because on some level we know everything serves life, but there's also in this lifetime, there's responsibility and accountability. So we would have to do some kind of forgiveness practice. So this is why we need to know what the true intention is. In this case, it would be betrayal where it originated, which in this case would be perhaps who he was, if you understand, if you believe in other lifetimes, or if not, it's just sort of an imaginal story, however you want to make sense of it, and what that person needed to do, which in this case would be to do a practice where they did some kind of forgiveness or making amends. Okay. Now, here's the next problem. <clears throat> 
there's no way I could ask you, if you were my client, those questions. Mainly because you would say, if I knew the answer to what my real problem was, where it originated and what to do, I would not be coming to see you. And this is where we have to start talking about four levels of wisdom and muscle testing, which probably a lot of you still have not heard of, although when I first heard of muscle testing, which was in 1993, far fewer people had heard of it. So maybe some of you are doing it or you did it with naturopaths or you've learned your own little ways of doing it, but I'm going to tell you all about that today. But in order to understand muscle testing, you have to understand four levels of wisdom, and you'll see why this builds on what we've been talking about in the last couple of episodes. So the first level of wisdom is called the wisdom of the conscious mind. That's the stuff we can figure out, right? So you ask me, Andy, what's your name? I say, I've been, you know, around for 64 years with my name. It's Andy, right? You say, Andy, how much is two plus two? I say, well, math was not my best subject, but I know it's four. But if I came in with those symptoms, you say, Andy, how come you have these weird reactions to sounds and you have OCD and you have, you shoot yourself in the foot whenever you come to, you sabotage yourself whenever you come to like having a chance for leadership or taking initiative and you have these strange reactions and you have chronic foot pain. I'd say, I don't know why I have any of these things. I think I have the chronic foot pain because somebody smashed my foot by stepping on it. But, you know, that would just have been magnetized by the by the sensation you see it's like the law of attraction we attract what we truly need to gain self-acceptance you know it's an amazing thing so i wouldn't know any of that stuff so i would say i don't know right i don't know why i have all those symptoms and i as a therapist also by the way wouldn't know only life knows but hopefully i have enough of a framework that i could ask life, which is where we're going. So then there's a second level of wisdom that we're not going to talk about for very long right now, but it's called the wisdom of the unconscious mind. And the wisdom of the unconscious mind is the kind of wisdom that comes through in dreams or coincidences that don't seem like coincidences. Or a vision comes into your head and you say, why is that there? Or you say something and you say, I didn't mean to say that. But let's look at that for a second, right? If you have a dream and you try to figure it out with your conscious mind, you will not get very far. And I really like working with dreams. For those of you who work with me know I like working with dreams, but it's not Andy that's really working with the dreams. It's some kind of shaman person who like is part of my field and you know has a deeper other kind of wisdom that I can access, but it isn't me in my normal life very much to be perfectly honest. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so either that level of wisdom doesn't exist because our conscious mind says that's crazy that dream, or it's deeper. And I think it's way deeper. Like if we arbitrarily gave our conscious mind, the wisdom of the conscious mind, the power of one, we could say the wisdom of the unconscious mind has the power of the speed of light, which is a lot more. And it takes an awful lot of energy to create dreams. So I would say that probably do have something to them as opposed to the conscious mind saying, it's just like, you know, getting rid of stuff. Then we get to a third level of wisdom, and it's this third level of wisdom that's really important when we start to talk about muscle testing, okay? Now, the third level of wisdom has a lot of good names in the East and in Aboriginal cultures. In fact, the only place it doesn't have really good names is the rational West, where we have, you know, cognito ergo sum, or I think, therefore I am, right? You know, so it's like this level that is like, thinking, you know, not figuring something out. Yes, this level is that. <clears throat> now, 
it's called a lot of names. It's called like if you're in China, for example, it's called Qi, like in Tai Chi or Qigong. Or if you're in Japan, it's called Qi, like Reiki. Or if you're in India, depending on your religion, it might be called Prana or Shakti. It has a lot of great names. <clears throat> the best name we could have for it in the West, we might say it's called the wisdom and energy that animates us. So it's our life force and our deepest intuitive knowing. And it's a very interesting thing, which is the chi, which is what keeps us alive, is also the part of us that just knows something is true. It's like suddenly, you know, you say, I'm in, I, I, I went on whitewater rafting and I have to give up my job and go off and you know, lead whitewater rafting trips and people say you're crazy and you say, well, maybe I'm crazy, but I know it's true for me. So it's that knowing, because what we're gonna see is there's actually levels of knowing and we have everything upside down. You know, I think therefore I am is the end of the story, not the beginning of the story. But this is the part of us that just knows something is true. And it really is our deepest intuitive knowing. And once we know something is true, parenthetically, then we can ask the soft voice of the heart, given that I know what's true, what do I really desire? And if you listen, it's like you're listening for your own kind of voice, but it's not your voice. It's like, it's like your voice is talking to you and you're listening to it at the same time. And then of course there's the head and the head is supposed to be, okay, now that we know what we want and now we know it, now that we know what's true and we know what we want, now let's be discerning about how we can make it happen, right? That's the head, it's a servant. We think it's the ruler, but it's really the servant. Of course, some servants are rulers, which is a good thing. Anyway, so, but the point here is, it's just when you know something is true. And the very interesting thing about this is, when you're in alignment and you say or act on the truth, you literally get stronger. And uh, this is an interesting thing. It's actually measurable if you read, you know, Valerie Hunt, you can begin, you know, infinite mind. You need to see some of the research on these kinds of things. And if you're interested in muscle testing, there was a wonderful dentist who was named uh, Daniel Monty, who did some wonderful research on muscle testing, which you can go and read if you're interested. It's M-O-N-T-I. But be that as it may, <clears throat> the other way we know about this, when I say you get stronger, um, I'm going to tell you what I mean by that which is suppose you're a parent and you weigh 150 pounds and you have a toddler and a car rolls over the toddler and you have to pick that car up, which weighs 2000 pounds and you weigh 150 pounds. You have to pick that car up to get the toddler out and somehow or other you do it. And if someone asked you, how could you pick up a 2000 pound car? You just say, I just know I could do it. I don't know how I knew, but I just knew. And it's not willpower, it's not adrenaline, it's just you know, because you're aligned with something and that something really makes you far stronger in the best sense of strong, right? So the interesting thing is when you're in alignment with the truth, whatever the truth is, on your deepest levels, the part of it that just knows, you get a lot stronger. And when you're not in alignment with the truth, you get a lot weaker. And this is what I think is the foundation for muscle testing. It is being in alignment with life. And when you say something that's true, 
when you answer a question and it's true for you, you get much stronger. And if you're in my office, literally you get stronger enough that I could sit on your arm if I had you hold it out and it might fatigue, but it would stay strong like steel, even if it fatigued. But if you said something that wasn't true for you, you could use all your willpower and I could press lightly with one finger and your arm would go down. And I could tell you some very funny stories about that, but you know, I'm gonna teach you guys at some point how to do this. But you know, I had this big weight lifter, you know, who was a client of mine. And uh, when I had him, I said, show us what a yes is. And I'm like, you know, holding on to his arm with both my arms trying to pull it down. And he's like picking his teeth because he was that kind of guy and he's like laughing. And then I said, okay, now we're gonna try the other one. And he said, yeah, yeah even more willpower, you keep your arm up. And I said, okay, show us what a no is. And I pressed lightly with one finger and his arm went down and he said, you pressed on a nerve. And I said, you put my finger wherever you like because it won't matter. And it didn't. And that was actually an interesting day for him. Um, that actually made him change some ways he dealt with his weightlifting even, but that's a story for a different day. Okay, so then we can ask anything we want. And as long as it's in the service of healing, becoming whole and evolving, so you're creating more life and love, you will get very high vibrational answers. And of course, on a, another hand, from my point of view, if you ask dense questions like, hmm, I want some gratification. So what are the lottery numbers gonna be? You will get an answer, but it won't be the answer you think. It'll be an answer that sort of is like, don't take something sacred and make it profane. But, you know, you're not supposed to use these gifts in the service of your ego gratification or your uh, needs to be better than people or whatever it is, you know, because these are very powerful tools and you can use them in any way you choose to. The tools themselves are just tools, right? Now, <clears throat> let's be clear about this. When we do muscle testing, it's actually in a funny way, not our body that's answering the question. What do I mean by that? Well, if someone said to me, they said, Andy, what's your name? And I said, my name is Andy. Well, is my mouth answering the question? Not really. I could have written out the answer. It's There are other ways I could have expressed it. So my mouth is really a mouthpiece. It's a means of communication, mainly for my rational mind. And we're going to ask the body to be a means of communication or a body piece that aligns these three levels of knowing, right? Aligns them. So we can really get to what the truth is. And uh, then the body becomes a means of communication for the part that just says, I just know. And then the interesting thing is, which is the fourth level of wisdom called infinite knowing, that level, we can ask any question. And we could ask a question in Swahili. And whether you knew Swahili or not, you know Swahili, and that's what's going to bring us back to our law session. So I could ask you a question in Swahili, and I would still get an answer. You'd say, but I don't know Swahili. So how could that be? And while we're at it, how can I muscle test somebody? Because this is still the pandemic and I'm seeing people in, you know, Los Angeles and Germany. And, you know, I'm muscle testing myself because I can't put my hand through my computer on Zoom and they can't either. So I actually stand in for them and I muscle test as though I'm them. How could we do that? Or how could I ask a question like, is this a certain pattern that the person has never heard of? 
or is the answer to a question in a book that I have that is on page 32? And the person said, I've never heard of that book. But we know that all of those things are the same. They're all the same light force. And that's why it is that we can simultaneously get information. Why can I surrogate for you? Because I am you in the template. This is what we went to last time. And if you remember, we talked about all of us being holographic, what we call morphogenic holographic cells. Morphogenic we'll talk about later, but holographic that we're mystical, it's like a mystical concept, right? That there are three trillion cells in our body. And we talked about, you know, Dolly the sheep. Well, you take one cell, you have enough information, you can clone the whole sheep, which means all the information that ever was, is, and potentially could be is held in that one little cell. If you look at what's in the template, in the blueprint, not on the surface, because on the surface, they're all different. And it's the same with us. We are sort of cells in the body of life, you could say. And on the surface, we're all different like snowflakes or like the cells in our body, right? But underneath it in the blueprint are all the same. We all have the same template. We have all access to everything because we're all the same life force. It's just if we can really tune in and stand aside and say, I'm gonna focus so much. And really when I'm focusing on you, it's like when I ask you to focus on a body sensation and we said, remember when you're focusing on a body sensation, really it's a living being and you're choosing to focus on it so much and be it from the inside out. It's like you're gonna become the body sensation by choice, and then you're gonna share its story. Well, you and I are just body sensations and the body of life, you could say. So but we're conscious body sensations. So we can intentionally bring our attention any place and all the information is there. So of course, on that level, I could stand in for you, knowing of course, also that it's an imperfect process because I can't totally do it. You know, the ones who can totally do it really have no ego whatsoever. So of course they are the whole template. They're a walking whole template. And believe me, as much as I would like to think someday I will get to a place where I don't identify with Andy, still I kind of do. It's just an ongoing process. Or as my dear colleague Joni says, you know, my founder and, you know, the principal of our institute, to become the one who can really be in the template, it's like, you know, taking this enormously difficult walk up Mount Everest or something, you know, and it's like, the farther you go, the air gets less and you get more tired and whatever, but you stay like, and you don't even know where the top is. And the only way you've known you get any places and you might stop for a second and look down and say, I've traveled a long way because it feels like I haven't gone any place, but then, you know, so the point here is that we can all be the template. And that's how we can find the answers to our questions. And then if you have a good enough framework and a good enough protocol, you can find out very quickly, of course, what a person's true intention is, where it originated, the root cause, and what that being needs. If just sharing their story while we hold them with love and acceptance and witnessing them isn't enough. So with that, we have our foundation and then we can start to talk about all kinds of patterns and different kinds of traumas and everything you can imagine. And some things maybe you can't imagine because of course in life-centered therapy, we say, if you can imagine it, if anyone can imagine it, then on some level it's so.
So until next time, when we'll probably start talking about patterns and why I said betrayal or something, we're going to start talking about patterns. But until then, I wish you a great day. And if you want to do a practice for yourself, start to just, instead of trying to figure something out, bring your attention down into the belly and just ask it the question like you're asking a deeper part of you. And then it's like you're listening with a third ear, right? We have a third eye, right? But we can also have a third ear that listens to that soft inner voice that just says, you want to know the truth? I've always been here, just waiting for your attention. Since you haven't ever brought your attention to me. And there's reasons for that, actually, that we don't bring our attention down and in and find out what our real truth is or the soft voice of the heart that says, now that we know the truth, we know, we just know, no figure it out. And we listen to that soft voice that says, okay, what do we really desire if we could have exactly what we intend? So until next time, again, my name is Andy Hahn, lifecenteredtherapy.com, ahan at lifecenteredtherapy.com. And I so look forward to our ongoing conversation together. And until next time,